0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another installment of Optimal Living Advice, episode 273. I'm your host, Greg Audino, grateful to have you here as always, especially this time though, as as you might tell by the title, uh, we, we have a really specific question on board today that most people don't think has to do with them, but this one will be really important for many to hear, both for their own benefit and for the benefit of any mental health professionals in their lives. So let's hear this great question and start optimizing your life. I've been having anxiety attacks, but have had a hard time seeking counseling as I am in the mental health field. I work for a crisis intervention line, and I know most of the mental health professionals in my area. I feel the fact that therapists, life coaches, and counselors are prone to go through these types of things is not talked about enough, and I thought you could share your thoughts on this. So yeah, a different type of question from what we're used to, obviously, but I'm in complete agreement with the asker about the notion that this really isn't addressed enough. And um, in terms of public perception, this is difficult. Mental health professionals of all kinds are leaned on more and more these days. And while this is, of course, great when considering the fact that it's a reflection of people taking their mental health more seriously than ever, it also creates its own type of shadow. For professionals to live in. Now, First of all, they're all booked up. It's, it's never been more challenging to find a mental health professional with availability to take on new patients and or clients. So many are simultaneously experiencing feelings of burnout and feelings of guilt for constantly having to turn people away. And secondly, mental health professionals are being placed in this type of superhero position more often. You know, they're being mistaken for demigods who can provide answers to the universe. And uh, people who enter into mental health services often do so without knowing how the process really works and expecting immediate answers to their greatest life questions. And oftentimes when these answers aren't received right away, the mental health professionals they're working with are discarded quickly without a second thought. All the while, uh, these professionals stand to feel isolated and forgotten about the more they're used as pawns for the improvement of others, with very little room for error, and thus very little room for humanity, the more difficult it can be to manage their own feelings. These feelings aren't just limited to their own personal struggles and mental illnesses and traumas, but now are more apt to include imposter syndrome or a general sense of fraudulence. Now, Obviously, what I'm saying does not apply to all mental health professionals, nor does it apply to all the people that consult the help of mental health professionals, but as the demand for this type of work becomes more airtight, there's more tension building on both sides, and therefore, more reason to take questions like the one submitted for this episode seriously. So, now with that uh, briefing behind us, let's talk about resources and ideas for mental health professionals who are struggling. Luckily, a lot of mental health professionals are made aware of these different resources that they can and should go to for assistance, and doing so is highly encouraged by governing bodies. For example, most therapists have therapists themselves. Now, if you do live in a small town or a uh, remote area and you know all the local therapists, this would be a problem, as the therapist-client relationship allows virtually no room for personal relations. Um, As a matter of fact, it's It's years. It's a matter of years after therapy has been canceled before the therapist and their ex-client are allowed to build any type of personal relationship. So in the case of the person asking this question, there are a few options, which you people who do not work as mental health professionals can consider as well. So listen up. (laughs) Now first, using the Psychology Today website is, for my money, the best means of finding therapists and psychiatrists. You can search by zip code or town and plenty of results are likely to come up. So if you know everyone in your surrounding area, like the asker does, but you're willing to drive a bit further, it's a really terrific option and would be my first choice. You can also use psychology today to find groups, which can be enormously helpful in their own right. So for example, in addition to seeing my one-on-one therapist, I'm also part of a therapist group, which has been completely transformative. I love it. And these groups can be very flexible depending on how the facilitator or group leader feels. You don't necessarily have to be a clinician to be admitted. And again, in the case of the Asker, I'm sure plenty of groups would welcome you as a, uh, as a crisis intervention line operator. And it's also worth noting for mental health professionals uh, that these groups are often classified as either support groups or training groups. You could imagine the differences between the two, so I, I won't dive into that. Uh, but these groups are labeled by the facilitators themselves, and oftentimes they kind of ride the line between training and support. So in most of these cases where those, those lines are a bit blurred, the facilitators will refer to them as training groups so that they can be regarded as business expenses at tax time. Anyway, in addition to Psychology Today as a resource for helping or finding help in person, the next place to look to would be online therapy services. The top two, uh, both of which we've had sponsorships with actually, are BetterHelp and Talkspace. So these types of services are less expensive than traditional therapy, even more so when you consider not having to drive. Um, you know, you're basically assigned to a, a therapist virtually. Uh, of, of course, these, these types of services are slightly less personal as well, um, but you are allowed to message your counselor typically all day between Monday and Friday and can expect reasonably fast responses. Uh, so there are pros and cons. And I've also, I've gone ahead uh, like a good boy and done some research for you guys on online therapy services that are specific to what community you identify with. So if you want something that feels a little more tailored to you. Now, these aren't as mainstream, obviously, but a lot of people find comfort in this approach. So according to Very Well Mind, which is another amazing resource for people looking to improve their mental health, here are the best online therapy services based on specific niches. So the best for couples is called Regain. The best without insurance is called well Night, W-E-L-L-N-I-T-E. The best for flexible scheduling is called Amwell, A-M-W-E-L-L. The best for the LGBTQ community is called Pride Counseling. Best for psychiatry, Teladoc Health, T-E-L-A-D-O-C. The best for group therapy is called Circles. The best for addiction is called Monument. The best for CBT, which stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, is called Online Therapy with a dash in the middle, so Online-Therapy. The best for Christians is called Faithful Counseling. And the best for the BIPOC community is called Ayana Therapy. That's A-Y-A-N-A. So, As you can see, there are a lot of different outlets, whether or not you're working in the mental health field. And for the most part, they're all highly regulated. And the people that work for these platforms are well-vetted, which is great news, obviously. But uh, I'm going to leave you with this, Asker. In between the cracks of getting help and feeling satisfied or dissatisfied with these services, there is one measure that all mental health professionals can and should take. And I'm happy to say that I know many who do. Well it may be harder given your specific line of work which i admittedly don't know the intricacies of there is no shame for any mental health professional to choose not to work with people that are triggering for them this feeds right back into the need for their own humanity to be looked after if you know domestic violence ran rampant in the house you grew up in and is still very troubling for you as a mental health professional you do not owe your services to any domestic abusers if you don't want to give it to them The same can be said about any number of pain points. I don't really feel the need to list them off. Boundaries are for all people, and the benefits of enforcing them in your professional life can lead to a much happier and healthier personal life. And a massive thank you to the asker today for sending this question in. Um, A question that, in retrospect, really needed to be asked a lot more than I thought it did prior to putting this episode together. I really hope that everyone got something from this, regardless of what field you work in. Um, I certainly hope it's left you with either a better idea of how to get help for yourself or how to show love and support for a mental health professional that you may know. Ideally both, though. Ideally both. Everyone, if you have a question that you would like to submit, please go ahead and do so. You can email me at advice at oldpodcast.com. Advice at oldpodcast.com. That's the best way to do it. Or I should say, uh, sometimes, including with this question, uh, questions come in via Instagram. <laughs> so if for whatever reason you feel more comfortable submitting that way, you can message me directly on Instagram. My handle is at Simply S-I-M-P-L-Y-G-R-E-G-G-L-E-S, even though I spell with one G. Um, I'm sorry it's not more professional, but I didn't think that I would be mentioning it in a professional setting. <laughs> or you can message the podcast account, which is Uh, you guessed it, at old podcast, OLD podcast. Okay. Hope to hear from you all. Thank you so much for being here, everybody. Have a great rest of your day and please join us for the next one where your optimal life awaits.